Moses arrived in Egypt to deliver the people from slavery and take them to the promised land. But as we know from the story, Pharaoh resisted letting the people go. And so God brought upon Egypt nine pandemics. Now you expect that Pharaoh would have said, okay, go, be gone. But instead, Pharaoh's heart hardened. And then God sent a tenth and terrible plague. God said that the firstborn in Egypt would die. Not just the firstborn of the Egyptians, but also the firstborn of the Hebrews. Unless, unless lamb's blood was applied to the doorposts. If lamb's blood was properly applied to the doorposts, then the angel of death would pass by and the firstborn would live. The story, the account, is recorded for us in the book of Exodus. And I want us to look at the importance of the Lamb's blood on this Good Friday. So turn with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 12. And I want to begin reading it, verse 1. And I want you to imagine yourself an Israelite hearing these words, receiving these instructions. You have a firstborn in your home. You don't want anything to happen to that firstborn child. Listen to what God said through Moses. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord God gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter the lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That same night they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed. Wear your sandals and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night... I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and every firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Lamb's blood, or the blood of the goat, would save the firstborn of every Israelite family. 
That blood was significant. In essence, what God was saying is the blood is not only going to save you, but the blood is going to free you so you can make the journey to the promised land. And notice how meticulous God was with all of the instructions and the directions about when it was to be done, how the meal was to be prepared, how it was to be eaten, and it was to be eaten in a way that they were ready to go immediately to begin this journey with God. They were being freed from slavery in order to make the journey with God. And I want you to keep that in your mind. Because until we are freed from our sins, we cannot journey with God. We cannot move forward with God. But when God frees us, when God emancipates us, we go on an exciting journey with God to realize all that he has for us, all that is awaiting us. It just astounds my mind to think about how many people, though, choose to live in the slavery of sin, the slavery of this world. Blood is important, but lamb's blood does not play an effective role in our lives or in our salvation or our relationship with God these days. Let's talk about another kind of blood. I want to talk about cord blood for just a few moments. Cord blood represents a scientific biological breakthrough that has the potential to save lives, to actually regenerate life. Cord blood describes the blood that is left in the umbilical cord, the lifeline between the child and the mother. After birth, that cord is clamped, and the blood is evacuated from that cord. It is spun and separated, and about the equivalent of two tablespoons of stem cells are then taken and cryogenically frozen 345.9 degrees below freezing, and it can be kept indefinitely and used at any point that that child might need it. And what we're discovering is an exciting science. I talked to an expert in it just this past week, is that doctors and scientists and researchers are discovering that the stem cells that are preserved in that cord blood can actually be used to bring healing into the life of that child later on if they suffer certain kinds of cancer, certain kinds of immune disorders, or even certain kinds of tumors or organ damage. All they have to do is is to introduce the stem cells back into the bloodstream and healing can begin to take place. In fact, experiments are be using now where there are spinal injuries and paralysis. Those stem cells can be introduced, and it's believed that it can cause the regeneration of those nerve cells. So in some sense, we may be on the verge of eliminating certain kinds of paralysis in people's lives. The power of cord blood is amazing to save lives, to spare lives. I mean, blood is powerful, isn't it? Blood represents life. When we lose our blood, we get nervous. We're losing our life. When we receive blood, that's good news because the blood we receive can can save our lives, can, can regenerate our organs, our tissues, our bodies. And that is exciting. But there's nothing as powerful and there's nothing as amazing as cross blood. 
Lamb blood set the people free from Egypt in order to go on a journey with God to the promised land. Cord blood. Cord blood can save, can heal a person's body when they're, when they're diseased or they have cancer or some kind of other illness is taking place in them. But neither lamb's blood nor cord's blood can ultimately save us from the greatest disease that affects all of us, by which all of us are going to die. The sin cancer, the sin disease that all of us carry in our blood. There's only one blood that can set us free from that. And it's called cross blood. The blood of Christ that was shed on the cross. It's described for us in the New Testament in Romans chapter 5, if you want to turn there with me. Listen to what the passage says in Romans chapter 5. Verse 6. When we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. I'm one of those sinners, are you? He died for me. He died for you. He died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I just love that phrase, friends of God. When you and I enter into relationship through Jesus Christ with God, God declares us his friends. I am, you are, we are the friends of God. We can say that we're righteous because of what God has done for us through Christ. We can say that we are the friends of God. You say, well, I don't, you know, I don't really feel like like a friend of God. I mean, if you knew what I had done this week or what I've done in my life, I just can't believe that God would want me to be his friend. Remember, God does not make you his friend because there's some virtue or something great about who you are. You can't earn friendship with God. God declares you his friend because of what his son Jesus Christ does for you and for me. What a privilege and an honor to be called God's friend. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, Paul says, So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. There's cross blood again. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. God makes peace with himself because, you see, 
Unless God makes peace with himself, God has to pour his wrath out, his judgment out on us. And none of us can earn God's love and earn God's grace. None of us can earn God's peace. So God sends his son who dies our death for us in order to have peace with us, in order to call us righteous, and in order to call us his sons and his daughters and his friends. That's an amazing and awesome thing. It is a privilege to live that way every day. And so oftentimes we find ourselves living in the poverty of our lives, living in the poverty of poor self-image and, you know, worried about what other people think about us and trying to make the grade and trying to earn respect. You don't have to do that with God. You are so valuable to God. You matter so much to him because of the cross blood. The lamb's blood emancipated the people from Egypt so they could go into the promised land. Cord blood can, can emancipate me from cancer and disease. But cross blood, cross blood emancipates me from sin and death and judgment. In a sense, in a sense, Christ's stem cells are inserted into my life and I am regenerated with his life. That's why the Bible says that Christ comes to live in me. And once Christ comes to live in me, he never leaves again. And I have victory over death. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Oh, death, where is your sting? Your sting is gone. It's taken away. Because Christ lives in me. Does Christ live in you? Do you know the power of cross blood in your life? Do you know what it's like to receive the transfusion of God's grace and God's goodness in your life? Robert Coleman, an author and a man who just has written so much about God's love and God's grace, wrote a book a while back called Written in Blood. And he shares a story of a little boy that I want to read to you. In his book, Written in Blood, Robert Cohen tells the story of a little boy whose sister needed a blood transfusion. The doctor explained that she had the same disease the boy had recovered from two years earlier. Her only chance for recovery was a transfusion from someone who had previously conquered the disease. Since the two children had the same rare blood type, the boy was the ideal donor. Would you give your blood to Mary? The doctor asked. Johnny hesitated. His lower lip started to tremble. Then he smiled and he said, Sure, for my sister. Soon the two children were wheeled into the hospital room. Mary was pale and thin. Johnny, robust and healthy. Neither spoke, but when their eyes met, Johnny grinned. As the nurse inserted the needle into his arm, Johnny's smile faded. He watched the blood flow through the tube. With the ordeal almost over, his voice slightly shaky broke the silence. Doctor? When do I die? 
Only then did the doctor realize why Johnny had hesitated, why his lip had trembled, and when he agreed to donate his blood. He thought giving his blood to his sister meant giving up his life. In that brief moment, he made his great decision. Johnny, fortunately, did not have to die to save his sister. Each of us, however, has a condition far more serious. And Christ, who conquered sin and death for us, offers us the transfusion of eternal life. I'd like you to bow your heads with me at this moment. And just quietly, where you are, consider whether or not you have received that life transfusion, that wonderful gift from God. And if you have, then right now, just right where you are, just express to God your thanksgiving. Rejoice with God that you've been made his friend, that you've received something far greater than lamb's blood or cord's blood. You have cross blood. You have the blood of Christ. You have the stem cells of divinity flowing through your veins. And you are going to live eternally with God. Death, death is an exit from this world and an entrance into eternal life. But if you're here on this Good Friday, and you have not received that blood transfusion, what are you waiting for? Why not right now? Confess your sins to God. Open your life up to Him. And let Him bring into you His transforming power. Let's pray. Father God, Speak to our hearts. For those of us who've received your life-giving, transforming power, we give you praise. We give you thanks. We call ourselves your friends based upon your grace. But Lord, if there's anybody here this Good Friday who's unsure, who has not received that gift, I pray, O oh God, that in these moments, you may clearly speak to their hearts.